Hi, it's Chris Wade again, a speech therapist uh, over in the UK. I don't know why I say UK. I'm, I'm guessing there's only people that actually know me listening to this. Um, not like an international audience, like tuning in and waiting for, uh, for what I might ramble next. Um, so, so yeah, I am. Um, it's Chris. Um, I wanted to kind of have a lot of questions about kind of uh, independent work. So working as an independent therapist. And I thought I'd just really briefly cover this. Um, is I'm, I'm in the middle of um, kind of mentoring quite a few, well, three three main speech therapists who are on their kind of in different stages of their independent practice journey. Um, and I'm also putting together, and I, I kind of had a few people that really want to join um, a business mentoring kind of development course that I'm running. Um, as with most of the things that I launch, I start without content or without content that's written down because the content's up here. Um, and then it takes me ages to get it back down onto paper. And I actually find that I'm better at mentoring and better at supervising people um, when, I'm, when I'm able to do it more fluidly. So um, essentially, I wanted to just go over kind of some of the some of the pathways into independent practice. So obviously, one easy way of getting into independent practice is to apply for a job within an independent um, independent practice team. So um, lots of amazing teams out there. You've got London Children's Practice. You've got uh, Unlocking Language. There are tons of amazing services out there across the UK. I'm not going to name them all, but there's, there's some really, really good ones. Um, and it kind of helps you if you're if you're looking at kind of a bit of a career change um, with um, kind of working with kind of a similar caseload, but often having more. I'm going to say more hands-on experience because there's less bureaucracy I find within independent practice as you will find when you're working um, within other services. Um, however, that's not not always the case. Um, and I, I mean, as, when I was an NHS therapist, I, I did therapy, 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 therapy. Um, I pushed for it. I got in trouble a lot for, 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 for just for going outside of departmental guidelines because I, I could see how if I tried something with a child and then if I was able to gather that data and measure the outcomes and make sure what I was doing was um, kind of evidence-based, I would I would likely have a bigger impact than what I was told I was able to do at the time. Um, and departmental guidelines are different across the UK. But going back to independent practice, that's the first way of getting in. Apply for a job with the practice. Um, my concern when I had um, LST was people that I employed were going to come in, they were going to see how we did it, and then they were going to leave us out of the room. And that very, very rarely happened. I think it happened once. Um, and that person, they were only with us for a couple of terms, and I actually supported them in developing their own company anyway. Um, so the other way is to set up on your own. And there's, there's lots of kind of initial concerns when someone's setting up on their own. One is where are you going to get the work from? Two is how are you going to cover those startup costs? Kind of buying the assessments, buying the therapy materials. Um, I mean, yeah, we can use we can use therapy. I mean, anything is a therapy material if you know how to do therapy. A toilet roll uh, is a therapy material if you can do therapy. Uh, and I, I and th so it's not all about spending thousands of pounds, hundreds of pounds on therapy materials, but the assessments themselves are, are standardised. You have to buy the actual assessments, depending on which case study, which case study you're going to work with. Um, obviously, you've got the cost of PPE at the moment, uh, which and I think that's going to kind of continue into the future. 
And then you've got the cost of maybe building up a social media profile, get a website, etc., etc. So it can be quite expensive to set up as an independent practice. Um, when I reset up in March 2019, having resigned from my last company, I um, I started with, I bought two iPads, so that was 600 quid. Um, I signed up to QIM, Q Interactive, or Q Active. Um, that was 100 quid, so I could do the Cal 5 at the time. Um, I downloaded a few kind of informal assessment apps. So that was, I, I used a, Spr a Splingo Receptive Language Assessment, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, I downloaded a phonological awareness assessment, which is an American one by, I think Smart Ears produces it. It's informal, but I absolutely love it. Um, I downloaded the your a speech a speech sounds so speech intelligibility app. Um, again, it's twenty or thirty quid. Not 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 breaking the bank. Um, and then I downloaded a narrative assessment and a couple of therapy games. But I don't use my iPad for therapy. I, I'm I'm not. It's not something I I do. Um, I'm more of a hands-on kind of using what's in, available either in the clinic or at the home, uh, so that families can replicate and then having to put their child back in front of an iPad. Um, but, the, and then I also have um, one of my friends, uh, Julia, who's a, who's a um, highly specialist speech therapist, absolutely fantastic. She's based over in, ooh, um, East, Southeast London, uh, or just outside of Southeast London, kind of the Bromley area. She's got her own practice too. Um, her friend um, develops websites, so I pay a monthly fee for a website. I think it's 25 pound a month. Uh, it's a pretty good website, does what I need it to do. So you've got some quite some initial startup costs um, when you're setting up. And then your other big one is, um, is make sure your insurance, you've got the right insurance cover. If you're a limited company, for example, you need a particular type of insurance cover. Um, so I kind of got a broker and my insurance is about a thousand pounds a year. So you've got quite a few initial costs that you can't really escape. However, when we're thinking about how we build up a caseload, the easiest way of building up a caseload uh, I've found is I join lots of Facebook groups. I provide, so I, I give out advice, I give out support, I read reports, I review reports, I um, give lots of kind of pro bono um, information. And as I'm a big kind of big believer, and this is what Gary Vee's always talking about, it's about putting it out there and giving out free giving out lots of advice, giving lots of support out to the community with a, with no expectation whatsoever that you will get anything in return. And I genuinely give out advice. I genuinely support families and speech therapists, no matter who they work for, not to get any work from, but because I genuinely care about the profession, I genuinely care about child development. I'm a parent myself and I get so stressed out when there's something happened with one of my children and I can imagine, or I can't really imagine, what it's like to have a child that has special educational needs. So I, I put out a lot of content. I put out a lot of free content. I support lots of families for free. And and, and, I, and I, I'm a big believer in karma. And I think what you put out comes back in one, one form or another. Um, so you put positive out, positive comes back. So I put a lot of positive out. Um, and there was a period in my life where I put a bit more negative out and I've, I've switched that around because um, I, I got told off a lot by my wife um, for putting out negative um, tweets or negative um, comments on things. And it's just, it doesn't work. You're, you're putting out negative. You're only going to get negative back. And it, it doesn't move the profession forward. It doesn't help anybody. So I'm, 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 I've become more positive. I mean, I've always been an optimistic person, but I feel like my content and what I'm doing now is a lot more positive than it ever has been. And, I, and that's the way I want to move forward.
So by putting things, putting positive out, my name becomes known within a lot of Facebook groups. I have no expectation to get work. And because of the way karma works, I get work. Um, and if you get work and you're rubbish, then you don't get any more work because parents talk to parents. And then you've got things like Mumsnet, you've got um, all these different random groups where families kind of um, speak to each other and they share advice and they share their feedback on clinicians or reports they've had. And if you're no good at it um, and you need to go back to the drawing board and train and become more educated in the way that you write reports, for example, or the way that you do assessments, then parents will see straight through that. So my biggest tip when you're working in private practice, and it's the same as when you work in the NHS, is only work within a client group that you are brilliant at working with and be completely transparent when you take on a family that this is the type of child that you are that you typically work with or if it's not the type of child you typically work with um, such as quite rare um, rare syndrome such as Prader-Willi syndrome explain to the family um, I have experience in this area I don't have that much experience um, however these are things that I plan on doing and this is how we're going to measure the impact so going back to kind of um, how I how I build up work is I put lots of kind of free content out there I do lots of free training for schools um, and then when I get a single client I follow that single client into where they are so if I have to, if I'm uh, a single client which is a child for an, an appeal assessment I go into the school I speak to their teacher I speak to the senko um, I let them know what my service provides so if you want therapy if you want assessments if you want appeals if you want uh, more staff training I provide I I don't I, don't, I'll, I will let them know that that's what I'm in the market to provide. I also constantly redirect people to other therapists that I feel are experts in particular areas, or that might be a bit cheaper. I'm not cheap. Um, I, my, I'm, I'm very experienced. I've worked a lot internationally. I've worked with. I, I'm. So I know. I know my value, and I know I'm not cheap. And therefore, if if I get an inclination that um, that I'm that that a family is really struggling. I'll either do, I'll want to do a few things. I'll either offer it free, I will offer a payment plan, or I'll redirect them to someone who is just as good, um, who will be less expensive, um, and I'll support that transition and I'll do the handover, etc. So they're the things I do. And then in addition to that, um, when you, so actually, the, so the bread and butter of independent speech therapy is either your individual clients or your school contracts. School contracts are very, very, very easy to pick up. I'd say typically outside of Wales, um, where schools, especially within the N25, are able to buy in directly from an independent therapist. They've been doing it for, via service level agreements with the NHS for years. Um, I, I managed quite a few SLAs when I was uh, working in the NHS. I knew what they were charging. I knew that I, in order to make a good living, I didn't need to charge as much as what they was charging. I didn't have the NHS infrastructure behind me in terms of the costs, and therefore I could undercut them and provide a quality, consistent service. And I think that's kind of the, when you're setting up independently, the first things we the things you have to really be, be aware of is consistency, making sure your branding is consistent, making sure that the, the service you provide is amazing and families when you see so you don't ever I never ask a family to provide a review or provide feedback or do anything they just do it naturally because people shout out if they if they're happy with the service they shout even louder if they're unhappy with the service so I always make sure that families are happy with what I've done I'm transparent right at the start 
I provide the additional support after the piece of work is finished. Um, I check in with families because I actually care how children are developing, like all of us do. And I, I need that family to understand that I do care. This isn't a business. This is a vocation. We do this because we're called into doing speech therapy, I, I believe, um, like other professions. So that's how I've kind of been able to kind of launch myself um, several times and then build up kind of big companies and, and sell them on. Or them, I, I did it once, maybe I'll do it again. Um, I, I expect that I'm, what I'm doing now and building up a kind of a, a team of associates. Um, I'm building up kind of local authority contracts. I'm, I'm kind of, I've got good connections with, with solicitors. I'm getting lots of referrals. I did 169 appeals last year, a lot of the tribunals. Uh, I'm getting the work in and I think what I might eventually do is train train up associates to be able to do the level of assessments and the level of um, tribunal expert witness representation that I do um, and then maybe look to step out or step back a little but it's hard in speech therapy because no matter how much you step out or you move into more of a, a managing position that's not your passion usually you're a speech therapist you want to do the actual therapy you want to do the assessments etc um i i think i've gabbled on again uh, i've gone past my five minute mark um however um what we'll do is i will do another one on um independent practice um, and how to kind of keep developing your independent practice right uh, it's been a long one uh, have a good day take care bye